Now we're back with part two with Pat Ewing Jr. Enjoy. Let me see. So, you know, and so when you came into college, they labeled you as an athlete. You know what I'm saying? You coming in as a straight up athlete. And you, and we, I think we're all kind of in agreement because we, and I think, I don't know if this is the best route. We all kind of listened to what the critics were saying about us and how can we combat that to show that we could do everything. You know what I'm saying? That's how kids were making their decisions on college. So Pat, and, and Pat just said it, you know, he went to Georgetown because I wanted people to think that was more than just an athlete. I wanted to be able to do everything and show that I, I could do everything. When he finally unleashed the beast and he started going crazy at Portsmouth, People start looking at him different, like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. You know what I'm saying? So for like when I came into college, when I was trying to choose a school, they were saying he scored too much. You know, he scored too much. You know, I was scoring 30, 40, 50 points. He scores too much. He 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 just like he's a he's in his clone, he's in a, in a family of Allen Iverson. He's he's fast, he's athletic, he shoots, he's crossing, you know, that was my game. So I'm thinking like, dang, I need to, get, I, I need to show you, like, I can run the point. Like, that's not hard for me. So part of my decision was about, let me go to a school where I can emphasize that I can run the point. Fast forward two, three years later, they picking in all these scoring guards <laughs> coming to the league. And I'm over here trying to make sure, you know, I'm trying to show you, I can do this. I can do this. You know, I got this, you know. So uh, I think if you just, just thinking about it, if you relied, like Free was the same way. Free had a system. We all kind of had a system that we figured, oh, okay, they said we can't do this because of this or whatever. This is where he called them weaknesses at. So it's important to understand that, man, what you do best, you got to do it best. Yeah. Don't let people deviate you from that, man. Because, because if, if Pat Ewan would have been Pat Ewan Portsmouth, freshman year, sophomore year, not thinking about just trying to kill you, you'd been top 10 pick. I mean, and I, I went to college thinking that I could go to school for two years and, and leave. That, that was my initial, you know, thought process when I was deciding where to go to school, where, where can I go to school for two years, be the player that I think I can be, and leave. Um, and it just, didn't, it just didn't work out for me. And I, th I do think that if I was able to showcase what I showcased in Portsmouth and at the Combine, like even, even my, my Indiana coach at, when I was at – the Orlando Combine, uh, he was like, dang, where was this pack for the two years, you know, that we had you? I was like, shit, on the bench. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Playing the five, trying to guard uh, all these big dudes that I can't guard. Like, yeah. you know, but, you know, there was it was something special. Like, and I felt, and I do feel like that, like, the people recruit you for a reason. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like a lot of kids now get lost in the fact or a lot of people even when we were in school you get lost in the fact that people are trying to tell you that you can't do something instead of just focusing on what he really does well and right. I do think that I do think that going to Georgetown definitely benefited me um, but I also think that I was that player uh, as a junior in high school you prior yeah you were already there as a junior in high school, I think I was I was probably going into my best year. I actually ended up transferring schools, and I think that's kind of what set me back. But I had a coach. Yeah, you, know, you, you I don't know if y'all ever watched some better basketball videos. Yeah. The guy yeah. that runs them is named Rick Torbett, and he was my high school coach. And oh. he had he he had a vision for me that I was going to be like Scottie Pippen. Yeah. Like that's all. That's that's what he drilled in my head. He's like, "You're my Scottie Pippen. You're my Scottie Pippen." And and. To me, Scottie Pippen was a, a jack of all trades. He did everything. And Michael and he had a Michael Jordan. You know right. what I'm saying? So I wanted to be places where I had a Michael Jordan and I could do everything else. Right. 
And going into that year, I was going to probably have, I think if I would have stayed with him that high school year and I probably would have ended up being the top, you know, 30 kid in my class. But I ended up transferring schools and going to a school where we had just so much talent that I was only asked to be an athlete again that, you know, all right, now my, my rankings dropped because I'm not averaging the most because all, I had to, all they're asking me to do is run and jump and dunk. Right. You know what I'm saying? Instead of being the guy who could do a little bit of everything. Right. That's interesting. You know, I, you know people are, you get kind of taught, people look at you and have an interest in you be, for what you are and then try to mold you into something, into something that, that they want you to be. Something yeah. they want you to be. And for a kid at 17, 18 years old, it's hard to identify yourself and accomplish that. Definitely. The coach wants to do. You know what I'm saying? So that's a very delicate time, I think, for any young athlete. And, you know, because they're very impressionable. You know, you can make an impression on these kids very quickly at that time. And they can stick with We We're going to remember certain stories for the rest of our lives from college. Just right. like your father had, just like my father has. A free, you know, we all remember. We're going to remember things for the rest of our lives. So, yeah. Um, and you don't want to, I think, it, and that's, that's, that's important to understand, you know? So you finally make it to the league. Congrats. You on the wall. So 33 got something to do with Scotty Pippen too, huh? Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. I'm see, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm trying to put it together. Yeah. Full circle. I can't, I can't. <laughs> and I love Bill. Like we worship, we worship him. He's the, one of the guys. I love that. I mean, anybody who that time, many time a champion, they my role model. Oh my God, Bill, man, Bill, you would have, you would have crushed Bill. No disrespect, Bill, but I don't know, Bill. You think Bill could play right now? The man had fifty six rebounds in the game before, bro. They my size. I don't care. You, you got to get. I couldn't get fifty six rebounds against preschool kids right now. <laughs> nah, no. Much respect to Bill Russell. I'm just messing with you. But uh, alright. Yeah. So- after, after after I got, you know, drafted and everything like that, you know, I mean, I felt like that was – I think a lot of people think that the, the work ends there, and it wasn't. Right. I mean – That's the beginning. You, you you literally go from being drafted to going to do the press conferences or whatever, and then, like, two weeks later, you right into the gym as getting ready for summer league. Right. And so what was that experience like? My first year, it sucked. I mean, it really sucked. I, I really didn't like it. Um just because you're going out there and, or for me, it was, it was harder because we had Jason Thompson, who's a lot of picks. So he's going to get the ball. Sean Singletary is a point guard. He's got the ball in his hands. We had um, uh, Sheldon Williams was playing summer league with us that year. And Quincy Doobie, who is an elite scorer or was an elite scorer. You know what I'm saying? And these are all the guys that are on our team. And, so my role that first summer league was defend the best player and stay in the corner and shoot threes or stay in the corner because I wasn't really getting the ball. Right. And I hated it. Like I really did. And I ended up getting hurt. Like somebody need me in my thigh and I already had a thigh contusion. So like, it was just not a good look for me overall. And I didn't, didn't show well because I felt like they just had me standing in the corner. Like I was, it just wasn't for me. Like, you know, I feel like I do my best work when I'm running, jumping, you know, I had the ball in my hands a little bit so I can make something happen. Right. And, I mean, it was to the point where one, t- one time Sean had the ball, and I'm thinking, you know, Sean's a scorer. Sean's going to go shoot it. So I'm going to crash the offensive board. Do so it Sean, to the rim. 
Sean, not Sean goes to shoot it, but then he's, you know, my man had probably collapsed on him a little bit. And so when my man collapsed, I go to the board because I don't have nobody boxing me out. I'm about to tip dunk it. Sean thinks I'm going to be in the corner. So he passes it to the corner and I'm not there. Wow. Ball goes out of bounds. Coach, you know, the assistant coach or the coach, the head, assistant coach, uh, Chuck Persons pulls me out. The game is like, you supposed to be in a corner. Like, why are you going to the gas? I'm like, uh, cause I'm a rebounder. Like I gotta, I'm trying to get the rebound. I think Sean's going to shoot it. Right. And like me and him just didn't get along for the rest of the summer league after that. And it just wasn't a, it wasn't a good, a good time for me that day, that, that, uh, that summer league. And then I end up getting traded right after summer league. And then I get traded again. And it's just like, I'm starting to learn that, you know, when you're in college, I didn't feel like basketball was so much a business. Business. Once you get across that line, man. But once you get to the pros and everything starts happening, like, because I, I had signed a deal. I had already signed my deal before summer league. I signed a two year deal with the uh, with the Kings, and at the time it was a summer where uh, Ron Artest or Metal World Peace had an option, and he had picked up his option, and then but then he saw how the market was going crazy, and he was upset that he picked up his option and demanded a trade. Hmm. And so, you know, long story short, we end up getting traded to Houston. Me, Sean, and Ron Artest get traded to Houston for Dante Green and like. Bobby Jackson or something like that. And so I look at the roster for the for the uh, Rockets at the time. They got 17 players on their roster. And of the 17 players, seven of them or eight of them were like three fours, which is what I was going to be at the time. Right. I'm like, well, I'm either going to get cut or they're not going or they're going to trade me. So I'm like, I never talked to no GMs. I didn't even I didn't even hear that I got traded. I got I heard I got traded from some girl that I knew from college sent me a text message like, hey, I heard you got traded. Like I didn't even hear from the GM or the agent, the coach, nothing. Like, like dang. So uh, the Rockets ended up trading me to New York and I was like, yo, this is like my destiny. Like I'm supposed to be here. Like this is like my life coming full circle. Like I, I remember I was like in the Bahamas on a family vacation when I found out it was happening. I was so hyped. I know you was geek. You find you about to put on a Knicks jersey, bro. Cause like I mean, y'all know me. Like when we played in the garden, every time I gotta sit in my dad locker. Right. You know what I'm saying I gotta I gotta do everything kind of like the way he did it when he was that I saw him do it when I was growing up. So like for me, I was like, yo, this is this is what it's supposed to happen. Like it's like a story, it's a book, it's a movie. Like this is gonna be real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this is it. This is it. One shining moment. Yeah. I just, I just knew it. And then, um, and I just went in there with a the mindset like, yo, I'm about to come in here and like really try to make this team. And it's, and then they had just signed Dan Tony as the coach. Right. And I was like, yo, Dan Tony's system, he's up and down. Like he's offensive guru. Like I can't wait. Cause for me, I was like, well, I'm a defender. I'm not really the offensive guy, but I knew that he would instill something in me offensively that I never had before because that was his reference. That's what he did. And I remember being in practice with him, and he's like, like, I would get the ball. And y'all know how, like, Coach Burke was. Coach Burke told me not to shoot that joint if I'm open, you know what I'm saying? Give it to Big Dog. You know, that's what I'm used to hearing for the last three years, you know what I'm saying? Get the joint to, to Jeff. Give it, you know, get it to John. That's what I'm used to hearing. So I would get the ball in the corner for a three, and I'm like, ah, no, nah, I can't do that. Let me go ahead and find, see if I can find Jamal Crawford or something like that, or Q Rich or something like that. And, yeah, hey, that. Hey, hold on, hold on on that part right there, yo. I ain't gonna lie. When you get out of Georgetown, you are programmed, bro. You gotta, you gotta shake that off for a little Definitely. bit. Definitely, yeah, for sure. People are like, yo, why you ain't take? I'm like, oh yeah, I could take that. I could have did that. <laughs> <laughs> I could do this again. <laughs> and 
And so it was crazy. So like, I was like literally getting, being pregnant and you know, I'm, you know, I'm probably like the 13th, 14th man on the, on the, you know, on that team at the time. Cause we had guys who were hurt and all that stuff. So he was like, yo, you got to shoot that when you open, we might not get a better shot this possession. I'm like, Oh, word. Like for real, I can shoot. Like, like on the team, I can do this stuff. We might not get a better shot disposition. I don't care if it's five seconds off the clock. If you open, you shoot it. Let it go. And like he built a confidence in me that I didn't have, I hadn't had since high school. Right. And this is only in the course of like a month. Right, right, right. And and so uh, you know, we go through the whole the whole process of the uh, preseason and then I end up getting waived at the the last cut right before the um the preseason's over. But like I just remember being like, man, I could I could play at this level now. Like he had, I knew I could play defense, but like he had instilled a confidence in me about my offense that I hadn't had since high school. Because like you look back at my college career, my my career high in high school is probably like forty something. My career high in college is like fifteen. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I had that once. Right. And and uh, and I played four years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and then so I get to the pros and I'm like, I got this confidence about my offense again that I hadn't had. And it's like, okay, I'm about to do this again. Like I'm really about to go out here and, and be the player that I'm supposed to be. That's crazy. Cause um, I do remember playing with the Knicks. My man had the headband on <laughs> and, and Pat, they get, <laughs> he did. And Pat got the ball on the right wing. That boy took a mean one hard dribble and boom, that joint with the left. Hey, look. Line. So look, so this 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 joint had me so mad, right? So that whole preseason, coach hadn't played me in any home games, right? Oh, you and had I, that in your face after you dunked. Like, what's up, man? I'm in this joint. I like so it was like the last preseason game. I knew I'm like, all right, I'm not I wasn't expecting to play because he hadn't played me in any home games yet. So I was like, so he put me in, there's like seven minutes left. We down 20. I was like, yo, I'm about to go out here and just show out. Like, I don't care. I'm about to like play so free. <laughs> so so I remember on that play, they took a shot. Somebody gets the rebound, throw it to Jamal. Somebody tries to steal Jamal, tips it. So now we on a break, we on an outnumbered situation. Yeah. I'm 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 way in front. Like I, you know me, I take off. Right. So Jamal sees me ahead. He took one dribble, kicked it ahead to me. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm about to windmill this joint. <laughs> We're we were down like 10. In my mind, I'm like, yo, I'm about to take one dribble and I'm just gonna windmill right now in this game. I don't care. I'm probably gonna get cut tomorrow anyway. Like so I'm going to with a bang. And so I'm looking, and I and out of the corner of my eye, I could see Brooke Lopez running hard as hell down the court. And I'm like, bro, this man about to try to block my joint. So I definitely can't windmill, because if I windmill and miss, you know, I'm definitely never going to play ever. <laughs> and I mean, I could try to windmill on him, but like, I'm a, it was, I, was, I windmill with my left hand, so he's gonna be on his side. So it's like, wait a minute, why is windmilling still part of the conversation? Bro, when, that was my whole process, bro. My windmill, that's it. That's all I want to do is windmill. I don't think people understand the amount of athleticism that has to go yeah. through your mind to say, not only am I going windmill, but I know a guy is running at me. Maybe I can still windmill over <laughs> him. This is all in the matter of like, you know, a half a second. It's a half a second, yeah. This is like I'm thinking about this the whole time. I'm like, yeah. right. and I look and I'm like, if he was like a half a step back, I'd try it. But nah, he too close. He might block it. Right. So I just remember I just took off with the off, off the off the two with the one and cocked that joint back. And I'm like, damn, my man really dropped with me. <laughs> and I'm like, and I was like, you know me, I'm I live to dunk on people like this. All I wanted to do. 
Right. When he jumped, I was like, oh, it's over. You should have just stayed back there. And, and yeah. what was too was like, Vince Carter was on the Nets at the time. And Vince Carter, for people that don't know, was like that new age, my favorite player type dude. Vince Carter is a great – Vince Carter is one of the greatest players I ever witnessed growing up. No, he's, he, he was my favorite. And, like, he was always cool with me. So, like, I would do one – when I check in the game, he's, like, talking to me and stuff like that. So, I'm like, yeah. I got it. And I, that's half the reason why I wanted the windmill because I wanted the windmill for Vince, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so when he, when, he, when he jumped, I just looked right at Vince. I was like, you should have told your dad dumb hubba not to jump. Like, he should have he seen this with you every day in practice. Right, right. Like, I get down like this. You, you must have got it, bro. But so, like, it was yeah. great, though. So, yeah, that's great, man. You, you got to play in the guard. You got to represent. You playing where, you know, your father. That's, that's, that is that's a storybook. You know, that's that's a fairy tale. That's right. a fairy tale. Yeah, it was till I got cut. <laughs> But 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 I will say this, like, you know, at the time I really felt like I was with that team that the Knicks had, I really could have been a rotation guy because Eddie Curry was on the team. He was never gonna play. Stephon Marbury was on the team. Coach clearly wasn't gonna play him. I mean, like, y'all don't remember that year. Like that's what him and the coach was head button heads the whole time. Uh, Jerome James was on the team, he was never gonna play it. I mean, I really thought I had played myself in a way that I could have been like a, you know, the tech, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, been been able to do something for the guy for the team. But you know, the way that the NBA works, I mean, some guys got fully guaranteed contracts and some guys don't. And oh, it's a business, man. You, I mean, and the quicker that you can, as a guy that's like when you come into the game, the quicker you can kind of figure that out and understand, then the emotions get taken out of it. Yeah, let your feelings get hurt. Because when I, I'm telling you, when I got cut, when I got cut that next day. I probably stayed in my bed that day for like, I don't know, 36 hours. And I just didn't want, I didn't answer my phone. I didn't want to talk to nobody. Like, it was like, dang, like, I really thought I played great basketball and I, I didn't make a team. So maybe there's something else. But then it also built something in me that, like, if you look at my career as I got to the G League and then, you know, when I made my run and uh, back to the NBA and then in Europe, like, I wouldn't have played the way I played if it wasn't for that time with the Knicks. Yeah. All right. So next question. I want all of us to answer this question. You know, top three places, spots you either played or lived um, overseas. Because we all had the overseas experience. We know what that's that's a great life, man. I'm still doing it. It's a great life. And, you know, it's cool. You get to experience different stuff. So I'm interested to know what you guys top three. Uh, so I'll go first for that, um, man. Top three. So. I finished my last year in Qatar, and the basketball in Qatar wasn't the best, but the way that life was over there was nice for for me. Uh, yeah. I had my first son over there. Your son was born there? My son was born there. My oldest son, Trey, was born there. And it's very – I felt like – I remember when I first got – when I first got the offer there, my parents were like, no, nah, you can't go live in the Middle East, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's, you know, it's dangerous over there. And then when I got there, I was like, hey, shoot – it's more dangerous where y'all are. I feel like I'm in Miami. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, it's, sun, it's sunny, it's hot. Right. Like, you know, living on the water. Like, it was it was, it was, was great. Now, the, the talent level wasn't that of, you know, some of the European countries I played in. But I felt like I could have spent the next seven years of my career and rode out my career making good money and playing in that league and being a champion. Mm-hmm. So, I would say that's probably my favorite. Um, so, we got Qatar. 
Guitars number one. I played in Bonn, Germany, my first my first stint overseas. I heard Bonn is like that. Bonn is tough. And you know, I feel bad because this going into the situation, my head wasn't in the right space. Um, right. I, but I felt like that's a place that I should have spent a couple years. I could have spent a couple of years there, but you know, at the time, me and my wife had been going through stuff with you know losing children and stuff like that. So it just wasn't basketball wasn't my main concern. So I just okay. didn't go over there with the right mindset. And it being your, I mean, y'all know when y'all get the difference between playing in the NBA and the G League versus going to Europe is is huge. I mean, like practice right. twice a day. Yeah, and, Like, and I had just spent the last four years in the in the NBA and the G League, so I was like, I went over there with that mindset. And you can't be there with that mindset. Like, it doesn't yeah. work that way. No. Um, so I would say Bond is two, and then I played in a small town called Tricola, which is in Greece, Greece, which to me was probably my best year uh, in Europe, and everything about it was dope. I mean, the people were nice. They had great food. I mean, that was, that was, those are probably my favorite three. But if I had to live in one place overseas, I would definitely say Barcelona. Barcelona. Barcelona is probably my favorite city in the whole world. Barcelona is going through some stuff right now, man. They going, they trying to get their independence. Their independence, yeah. Uh, actually, when I went out, we played Manresa um, in Champions League this year, and we had to fly through Barcelona. And at the time, when we were flying through Barcelona, it was nothing but riots at the airport. Mm. Tear gas and, you know, batons. They, it was crazy out there. They thought that we were going to have to uh, cancel the game. You know? wow. It was crazy. Wow. What you got, Free? You said, oh, wait, wait, you said Qatar? Yeah, so uh, if, it had to, if it had to be places I played at or lived, it'd be Qatar, Bonn, and then Tricla. And then, but Barcelona is definitely my favorite city in Europe. Barcelona, okay. Okay. Uh, free. Me? Well, I would say Rome. Rome. Rome is lit. Rome is lit. It really is. Rome. <laughs> um, Hey, I beat free in Rome. Let the people know when he was in Rome, we played them and we beat them. It was hey, the only time I beat free in my life. Payback for all them St. John's Dematha games. Oh man, it's nightmares. And then he got the nerve to retire like two years later. So imagine if I imagine if I didn't get a win, he got to come back out of retirement, though. <laughs> he would have to come out. I, could, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Not like that. So I got the win. It's actually this picture that you see, the dog talk yeah, picture. It was after the win. <laughs> that was my first game with Rome, too. So, I mean, and, and I mean you know. doesn't matter. But, doesn't matter. Okay, Rome, go ahead. Rome, I just Rome, 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 for sure. Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. Ooh, I, played, I played 20 minutes outside. I played at, 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 at Ashdod. So, right. I was like 20 minutes away from Tel Aviv. But Tel Aviv. Um, and... I'd probably say Fort Lee, wherever I, where I played my first year. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, they were like 20 minutes away from like Bologna. And, you know, oh, yeah. So, like, like two hour train ride to Milan. So, you know, it, it was in like good, it was in a good area. So, you know, I would say those three places for me. Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv is like Miami. Yeah. Tel Aviv is a different beast, man. Tel Aviv, Pat? Yes. And it was crazy. Like, I was scared to go because at the time they had just dropped some bombs in, in Israel. 
They yeah. always drop a bomb. They always drop yeah. uh, so I had to call people, be like, hey, man, is it, is it cool to go to Tel Aviv right now? People that was in there, they're like, oh, yeah, you good. Like, yeah, they don't drop bombs in Tel Aviv. It's over here on this border. Yeah. So I was scared. And then I got there, I was like, oh, wow, this, I like this. Man, <laughs> did they tell you that they was deflecting the bombs in the air? Yeah. I was like, what you mean? Yeah. Work. <laughs> yeah. Deflecting the bonds. And, so yeah, yeah I, when they got out there joint. They say it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so you said Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is the truth. Tel Aviv is the truth. And you said Forley. I never been to Forley. Yeah. Never. And I've been uh, between Bologna and uh, Florence. Oh, uh, okay. So it's on the other side. It's yeah. on the other side. I've been on that. Okay. Um, and there was the other one. Rome, Rome. Tel Aviv, Forley. So I got. Istanbul. I've never been to Istanbul, but I heard it's love. Istanbul, crazy. It's a, it's like probably the biggest city I've ever been to, other than like you know uh, Moscow. Moscow is ridiculous. Um, Istanbul, one. Berlin, two. That's tough. And. I feel like I gotta go to Italian places. I was there for five years. <laughs> I gotta go Trieste. I'm gonna show my Trieste folks some love. Trieste, Italy, man. Um, but first one, first one I said was Istanbul. That was my rookie year. I was in Edine. Edine, which is probably like two hours away from Istanbul on the Bulgaria border. It wasn't nothing out there. It was one road, one road, a gym, like a little strip mall, and some horses and some shit. All this other stuff, a bunch of fields and all. It was crazy, boy. And that was my first time outside the country. <laughs> yeah, I was struggling. I was struggling. I didn't know what was going on. I ain't had no internet either. Ooh. It was a bad situation. So I used to drive it. First thing, you got to ask for when you go, get over there. Yeah, the first thing. Oh, I had the internet. I did. It only worked on my iPad. It ain't work on nothing else. That's horrible. I had, I had to, I made sure I, I got to the city. I had to. Have it in my house, and then I had to. I always went to the uh, to the phone store and bought a uh, a wireless hotspot. Oh, the hot! Yeah, I got that joint too. I always bought a hotspot. I carried that joint around my pocket everywhere. <laughs> but it's cut off after like the first day. You've been using right. that, joint, but no, you got to charge. You on that joint all day. You ain't got no <laughs> kidding the next day. Right. <laughs> you know, so yeah, so Istanbul was one for me, and then the second one I said was Berlin. Berlin is like, I can see how people just. Stay there and live there forever, man. Yeah. Berlin is nice. Like, it's like an amazing city, man. It's everything there, you know. I mean, in terms of what I'm into, um, and the food is good. So, how I look at countries, I, I measure by food, clothing, um, and like, you know, what I'm saying, like, in terms of like schools and stuff. Like, you know, if you go to major cities, it's mostly schools, but. How they how they dress and how they carry themselves. That I be paying attention to the Europeans on that. Them Italians be fresh. <laughs> the, the French be stupid fresh, you know. <laughs> so those cities I, I noticed in Berlin, they had a whole lot of style in Berlin. Everybody had a whole style. Shoot sneakers, clothing, you know, everything was out there. So I, I really I just the energy out there was really cool. Um all right, we got another question for you. This is a good question. I've been waiting to hear what you're going to say on this one. Because uh, you you all time, all time. We're going to call you all time, big dog. This is dog talk. I think this is a great question for you. You are a legend. You are on the wall. You're one of our legends. You know what I'm saying? Just in terms of our era, 
Georgetown, shoot, Pat got to go on Mount Rushmore for me in terms of just contributions. You're the one who's who's been getting alumni back involved. You're the one that's been uh, making sure I'm staying involved. You're the one that's opening the door for us to, to for alumni to appreciate what Georgetown is and understand that we have a duty as an alumni to be a part of this, be a part of our program. And um, we appreciate you, man. I thank you. I thank you for getting us back involved. You know, last summer was big. You know, just the events that we did and stuff like that. It showed that we got a strong, strong brotherhood. You know what I'm saying? And it's just a matter of us tapping into that and, and acknowledging that, and we can. We gonna be moving like a force, you know, because it's just a matter of everybody trying to, everybody just waiting. We just, we just sitting here waiting. All the Hoya fans, I know y'all listening. Yeah. We, we coming strong, man. Yeah. We, yeah, we here. Man, and we Definitely. support everything that Coach is doing, supporting everything that the Hoyas doing. These incoming Hoyas, we gotta have a back, you know. Um, I think it's important that we want to be. This is just me speaking, and you know, I think free, free speak the same way. We want to be back to being a top ten program a contender every year, trying to reach where Pat did in the final four. Um, that's our goals. And we feel that we, you know, I, as alumni, I think we feel strongly that we need to be on the scene again, you know? Definitely. Yeah. So with that being said, I want to ask you, all-time Georgetown guys, give me five. And don't just give me the straight up Jeff, John, and – Yeah, you, you can't do – not, not today. Because we know that that that, that just that's be the OA class and then just pick a random dude. No, <laughs> like I mean, obviously the OA class, you know, it definitely is near and dear to my heart. You know, I feel like right. we we help with the new age gener- the new age get guys to come to Georgetown. But uh, if I had to go five, I think I would put my pops at the five. No, yeah. I know I would put him at the five. I mean, you you got to you know, arguably the best college basketball player ever. Uh, at the four, I will put myself because I think that highly of myself. <laughs> um, at the three, at the three, I think I would go. I'm putting somebody at the four to go at you, Pat. No, nah, and ain't nobody that can do that. I'm putting I'm putting somebody at the four go right at Pat. But go ahead. Right. Uh, at the three, I think I would go Jeff. I think I would go Jeff. At the two, I'm gonna go Sleepy. Okay. And at the one. As, as crazy as this sounds, it's a toss-up for me between based on how I like teams play versus, like, talent-wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a, I am I got to go Allen just based on him being the greatest. But you get you a six-man if you want a six-man. I, I can get a six-man. Then I got to go John Wallace. You going to put John as a starting point guard? I would think about it. Okay. I would think about it. Cause if we're talking about just based on careers at Georgetown, not what they did after – He's arguably the best. He is, he is arguably the best point guard that's ever played at Georgetown. I mean, like, if you, I mean, y'all played a year with him. I played three years with him. And to, I mean, the dude never, he, he don't lose. He don't miss shots. And he gets people the ball where they're supposed to be. I mean, he was, he was special. But, I mean, but you got to go Allen. I mean, Allen is arguably, he's the, this generation, the, between Jordan and LeBron, he's that GOAT yeah. in, in between that, that gap. Yeah, I think I think Allen Iverson is always. I mean, when he stepped on Georgetown's campus, like he just set that joint on fire from the first time he stepped to McDonough. Bro, you know, yeah. so, you think about Kennerly, Kennerly, bro. I mean, yeah. they're like, hey, look, you're gonna play two Kennerly games. You ain't gonna play no more because we just want people to see a little taste of what you can do. Oh, I ain't know. Put that. it down for you. I ain't know that. 
They just want to see a little, just a little taste. You give them a little taste of what, what Allen does and then. Boy, that boy was running around the court looking like Michael Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> that boy as fast as I don't know what, man. <laughs> Banging on everybody. That was, that was crazy. You know, when you see that footage now, you see how, see, you know, that's the type of energy that, that Georgetown bring, you know, that we, that we kind of present in that energy. And uh, before, I don't want to get off of John, because John was a point guard that, that was there when I got there. John is the only person, it's two people in my life that I've seen do this, where you can literally bet on them. I wasn't doing any betting in college, so don't, don't try to look me up and nothing like that. But <laughs> you can bet on them and be like, I bet you he misses like two shots this week. Nice. And he'll miss zero. Yeah, he'll miss one. You know what I'm saying? And he won't smile. Him and Free, Free did that nonsense too. They won't smile. They don't say nothing. They just straight up get buckets every time it should hit their hand. And it's, it's, I never understood. And that was John Wallace. Only other person that was like that, Free was Free was like that. Not like John, though. Free, you was just, you was a score. John had a, just a sniper. Just, just panic. Him and Dirk Nowitzki. That's the only two people I've ever seen do that. Facts. They, the managers would be in practice with Dirk, and they'd be sitting there like, yo, I bet you he, miss, he misses one shot, and Dirk don't even touch the rim the whole time. Just straight up. <laughs> like. All net. And John was the same way. John yeah, was the same way. I say this about John all the time. Like, it, it kind of hurt John to be on a team – where like especially at the time where Georgetown where like the bigs dominated the ball like we did because you couldn't really see what John could really do if he had the ball in his hands like if he was coming off pick and rolls and stuff like that like I mean it was great that we won but like if John was taking 14 shots a game he said like, 11. what <laughs> he's going 11 12 14 and it's like don't don't about don't forget about the impeccable tough layups. Oh, <laughs> Layup. Them running left-handed hook joints. Oh, oh my god! Eight yeah. minutes of layup. That is best, man. Eight oh. minutes of layup, right there. Yeah, bro. Let's talk about that for a second. God, dog. <laughs> but look, tell the truth. Y'all hated it. Y'all hated it every day. You hated it. Yeah. But you got I to the pros. And you was using them joints every game. You was like, it was like, yo, your lay package is elite. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Yeah. you do eight minutes of lay for three straight years. You go It was three things that I hated about our practices: the star drill, passing, the the whatever dribbling was it four minutes dribbling or whatever we used to do. Yes. Like yeah. that. And when we had to do them layups, right? Sure. The layups. Is the only thing that, in, to this day, I am finishing you when I get to hey, every time. I'll be telling people, like, and it was crazy because, like, we would do layup lines, and it wouldn't be like, coach wouldn't be like, no, nah, you can't do no regular layup. Nah. Like, tough layup. Yeah. Everything got to be tough. It got to be something. And, and, and I don't know if it was me. I don't know. Maybe because I was young with y'all a couple, but. When we first started, that should, that's intimidating, man. <laughs> Coming in, you start throwing up some bull. Everybody like, yo, what you doing, man? Because everybody, especially if you're a guard, and you're going after John Wallace. Oh, God. John is handless crispy, and he's going to go in the lane and just throw something up and hit, hit high up the glass, boop, and go right in. I'm like, oh, I can go there. I might have just tried to two-hand dunk this joint. But, you know, forget it. 
Fucking then he'd be mad about that. Start over. Come on. Or if we had them bad shooting days on on the four minutes minutes of shooting. I used to hate that. I hated four minutes of shooting. I hated it. So so explain so explain to these Pat explain to these people what four minutes of shooting was. All right. So four minutes of shooting was a drill that sucked for me. Hey, look, anytime coach said the base can go down the other end, I was on the other end. But like, so you got, we got basically three spots. You got to, you start up with the top of the key. For the, you do that for a minute. You got to, the goal, you got to get at least 80. It was 80 or 100? 80. I think it was 80. So you got to make at least 20 on each spot. But so what you, happened was, y'all, y'all the year before, the, the great royal team, y'all want to hit like 105 and all that. Right, like, it was flat. So we gotta we gotta beat that. <laughs> it was play. It was yeah. But then you you get you start at the top first minute, second minute it's you got two lines, one passing line, one shooting line. Then you go you got the uh, corner, top again, and then the other corner. And if you don't make eighty, and it's like it's crazy because to make twenty shots in a minute is is hard. Hard. It's hard. Yeah. Everybody gotta be, every shot counts. Yeah. Like, you got to shoot at least 60% to get to 80. At least. At least. And, and, like, everybody, and everybody can't shoot. <laughs> nah, I mean, like, like you love when John's up. Like, all right, John, if John missed three, we good. Like, we, 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 you know, that's bad. But, like, who I was counting all the time, I'm, I'm, I'm counting John Wallace. I'm counting D Summers. D Summers better make the daggone three. I used to be like, D, you can miss. Three couldn't miss. And Tyler Carford, you better not miss not one three. Ever. Ever. <laughs> you better not. <laughs> I was like, everybody else, we got kind of, okay, tick, man. Come on, just give us about two or three of them. <laughs> just make one. Yo, just make one. <laughs> just make one. Two. I know Roy going to give me one or two, you know. Shoot, but I don't know. Take off that joint. Yeah. Oh man. They hit you with the let it rain and hit all small. Hey, let it rain. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shout out B Mac, dog. That's my man. Yeah. Bernie Mac might be one of the funniest dudes I've ever met in my life. The funniest man I ever met in my life. I never forget funny story about B Mac, dog. Yo, we playing UConn. Right, <laughs> we playing UConn national TV, and we playing at UConn. This might have been, yeah. This is yeah. He only was there my freshman year, so no, no. Nah, we played, we played UConn at Georgia. We played him at Georgia. It was at home, yeah. It was, it was at, at home. home. It was at home. So this was when he said, no, this was at you. Okay, so it might. Oh, okay. that, yeah, it could have been sophomore year because he left. Like uh, Hashim the beat walking the court, and you know, V Mac from the seven five, so he got the accent. So it's funny, dog. He was like, he was like, God damn, like. <laughs> 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 he, was like, he said, "Yo, he short say UConn. Why did his shit say University of Connecticut?" <laughs> 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 I was dying laughing. He said, "University of Connecticut." Hey, hey, never. Hey, Tick was funny, man. Tick was funny dude I ever met, y'all. Bro, his Martin impressions were classic. Oh, <laughs> he have you on the ground crying. <laughs> Yeah. Hey man. Uh, All right, so let's get let's get to this Georgetown stuff in particular. Now we on the other side. Let's talk about this. 
and just then um, for the fans, you know, how was how was the support? How did you feel at fan support at, at, in your time at Georgetown? You know, I think I got there at a at a, at a crazy time where, where you know we were. Just, my first year, we went to the Sweet 16, second year, Final Four, Big East Champions, third year, Big East Champions, uh, top, basically top 10 team the whole, the whole year. And our fan support was crazy. It, I mean, it was, it was so crazy that I remember a couple of years ago, I asked uh, one, of the, one of the staff that worked in the athletic department, like, yo, why don't we have both sides of the basket be the student section anymore? And he's like, well, Pat, you know, that wasn't, that's not the norm here. Like that was only like that when really when y'all were here in a couple of years after that. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I just wasn't used to not seeing the, the stands be full. Oh, you know? both sides? Not now? It's not both sides? I haven't been to a oh. game in nine years because I'm overseas. Wow. No, both sides are not the students. Say. So you remember like when we came out, there's students right by the both sides and it's full. Like I remember being there early because, you know, me, I always got to be the, one of the first ones on the court. Right. And remember watching them open the doors and then watching the flood of students just run down to the seat. Like, it hadn't been like that in a while, which kind of sucks for me. Like, I really don't like that. But, I mean, when we were there, like, it was crazy. I mean, but it's easy to support a team that's winning. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to support a team that's winning. And we was we was killing. Uh, so, what was your uh, – what's the most – Lit. Most memorable game. Most memorable, yeah. What's your most? What's your? I got one. I hope for you. Got one for him. I got one. I got two actually that I have memorized for you. I got a. I, I got. A, I mean, obviously the West Virginia game's got to be one. Absolutely. Um, that was, I mean, the West Virginia at, at home at at their place. Just and they shooting that musket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought I really thought they were shooting us. I, I remember the fans was throwing stuff at us, yeah. but like you know me, those those are the moments I live for. Like I know it, it's funny. Like, like, I remember you was waving to the fans, running into the locker room, and everything. Dog, jumped over there trying to fight me and everything. I had had security escort me to the bus, but it was crazy though because like that game. Hey, you so, remember you got into it at DePaul? Yes. <laughs> With the fans, remember with the fans, I got it on tape, bro. With the fans, they over there cursing me out. I'm cursing them out. <laughs> but so Coach Thompson used to always be mad at me because at home games, I would never be the first one out of the locker room to go for warm-ups. But at away games, I was I came to the gym dressed, ready to go. Like under my suit, I was like Superman. I took that joint off my jersey already on. Right. right. Because I wanted to be the first one out to talk to talk trash to the fans. So that West Virginia game, I'm the first one on the court. So I go out there and I'm shooting. And they had they hold, their student section was right across from the scorers table, right? That first couple rows right there. So they were already out there when I got there. So I'm out there shooting, and you know, I love when people talk trash to me. Like, right, right. You had a better chance of me playing bad if you left me alone than if you right. talked trash. <laughs> right. And so they talking trash, and I'm I'm ignoring them at first. I'm ignoring them, and I'm so I made like four shots in a row. Then I miss one, bing, and it rolls over to the student section. So I walk over there. I told them, I told the manager, no, I don't get it. I'm gonna go get it. I'm gonna go get it. I walk over there, and they just they go, they give they killing me, killing me, killing me. So I just single one person out, and I just look at him the whole way, pick up the ball, look at him, walk back backwards, looking at him. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, you're gonna be the reason. I'm like, and I said, I said, you're gonna be the reason that y'all lose tonight. You know what I'm saying? And so we come in the game, and we playing so bad to start. We wasn't. Oh my god. We were playing so bad. 
Yeah. And I remember coming in the game and coach like, Pat, we, I need you to make something happen. So I come in the game and I'm trying to make things happen. And I think I airballed my first shot of the game. Oh, they lost it. They lost it. But but from that moment on, after for the rest of the game, I was on it, like trying to get people involved, get assists. We, we making our comeback. You got me my first dunk in Big East play. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you your first dunk in regular play, too. Yeah, 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 yeah you did. <laughs> yeah, that, that, back, that back door you against uh, forward, man. You second forward. Look, look that, that old Dominion dunk was probably my favorite assist I ever had. I, I didn't think he was going to dunk it. You know, at the time, yeah. <laughs> that joint scared. I said, oh, my God, freaking dunk. Free had to dunk. I was kind of getting my legs. I was kind of getting my legs. You know, that, that first couple, that first month. Y'all know, people don't understand. Free had not dunked. No. The whole time he had been at school. Tough I didn't player. think Free could dunk. Tough player. We had to do tough players all the time, so we couldn't. I, didn't, you know, I did not think Free could dunk. So we, I'm like, <laughs> I told, I said, I said, Free, we're going to run low post. When you give it to me, cut. I'm going to just drop that joint. You're not going to see it. Just put your hand out. It's going to be right there. You're going to get the layup. Right. So I dropped that joint off. And free just jumps and bodies do boom, and that's like freaking dunk. Yes, yes. <laughs> like I hadn't seen that. Like, like, oh, and I'm talking about we had been in school for like six months at this point, like six, seven months, and he hadn't dunked not one time, and he's gonna get his first dunk on somebody in a game, like crucial moment to the game too. I was like, okay, I, like I was this. just, I was getting my legs back, man. <laughs> that first, that first. Month and a half of practice and choppy as yeah, it's choppy as steps. Like, right, I right. get my legs back. Right, yeah. but so, if I had to say a, a second game, my second game that would be my favorite um, would probably be that Carolina game, that Final Four uh, to get the Elite Eight Carolina game to go to the Final Four because uh, we just we just touched we toughed it out. And I remember, like for me, it was it was probably one of the most important games for me because, like I said, I was thinking about going to Carolina, and I was like, if we lose to Carolina after I decided to go to Georgetown, I'm gonna be like, damn, I made the wrong I made the wrong choice. Right. And, and uh, but I remember we were going, we tied the game up. John tied the game with a three. It's their ball. They call a timeout. Coach puts me in the game. We go to a zone. And I remember when Coach put me back. Coach put me in the game at the time. He was like, in my mind, I was like. All right, they're definitely going to get a shot off because they're not going to turn the ball over. They're going to run the clock down. Get the rebound. No matter what, get the rebound. I don't care if somebody close to you, you take the rebound. So I remember, like, the shot goes – I can't remember. I think uh, I think Ty Lawson took the shot or maybe uh, maybe the little shooter they had, Wayne Ellington. I think Wayne took the shot. And it hit the back of the rim, and I just jumped, grabbed that joint in one hand. Dang, we going to overtime. Trying to call a timeout. We going to overtime. We're not losing this game now. That was, but that, those are my two probably my favorite games in the Georgetown uniform. I I would say I agree with that. Another game that's one of the most memorable games I have of you at Georgetown is a home game. It might have been like middle of the season, January or February, something like that. Maybe December, something. I don't know. We played against Was Seton. it a Big East game? Or? It was a Big East game against Seton Hall. Yeah, I, I know exactly. I know that game you talking about. For about 12 minutes, 13 minutes straight, did everything. I'm talking about assists, rebounds, steals, points, yeah. blocks. I remember, like, I was like, yo, he's doing everything. You literally, it was like, it was a point, 
I don't even know if it was playing because it wasn't playing. We ain't never do nothing playing on offense unless we throwing the ball in. Pat <laughs> <laughs> was featured for real. And, and Pat, I don't know, for, for at that moment, it was like we were playing forward through you. Yeah. I think it was by sure force of will, sheer force of will in terms of the steals and the amount of energy. It was crazy. I remember sitting, I was like, yo, Pat is doing everything. You look on the stat sheet, he's like eight, seven, six, eight, yeah. seven, everything. I remember that game. I was like, yo, because because the guy that was leading the Big East in scoring was on their team, Brian Lane. Yeah, Lane. Shout out be Lane. Lane was cold. Lane was tough. And and that was it was kind of a game because Seton Hall wasn't at the, you know, like where we were in terms of level in the Big East, but it was kind of like one of those games where we about to play somebody real big. Right. We can't afford to be having no slip ups right now. This need to be, you know. Yeah. And Pat, man, Pat, when it was like, I remember beginning of the second half, maybe after the 16-minute mark or something, flat out took over. Flat out took oh, over. Yeah. The, the rest of the game, the whole thing, I never, it was one of those games. And it, and you ain't do nothing, but you just playing you. It was all instincts. It was all just flowing. Flowing. Pass, dunk, alley-oop, assist, steal. And then, you know, he get, Pat get a little freaky when he think he's nice. He started trying to yeah. throw no look pass. <laughs> Behind the bag, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's getting his bag a little bit. I'm like, okay, I see. You know, jump the second forward, he's slicing that joint. The right. with the put the little put the backspin on the joint. You know, <laughs> hey, yo, <laughs> yeah, yo. man, yeah. So you know, that's how I remember you. I remember. I don't know what you think, free. I'm more. I'm. I'm gonna say a play, like a memorable play. I like I got like several of them. Um, first, uh, we're gonna take it back to the NCAA tournament when you reverse dunked. <laughs> that that reverse dunk and one might have been one of the best like in game dunks. It, like that was one of the best ones I've seen. People don't be remembering that. That's what's crazy. Oh, no, that joint is. Sometimes they be forgetting about that. One. That's a crazy. Like to think about, like to reverse dunk it in the game, like that in that time of the game too. Like that was, that was crazy, man. Like, what game was this? Boston, Boston College. College. But so, like, so, like, so, like, there's a backstory to this, right? And so that year, Boston College, that was their first year in the ACC. They just left the Big East, and Jared Dudley had just been ACC Player of the Year, you know. And he was he was in the he went on ESPN and was like, yeah, the ACC way better than the Big East. Big East don't have no athletes. Uh. So I'm, oh hold on, we don't got no athletes, right? Okay, so I'm I think I think I'm sitting with Sap, and I'm like, yo Sap, tomorrow I'm a dunk on him. I'm I, I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I'm a dunk on him. And so we go through the game, you know, it's a back and forth game. Something happened. Jeff get a Jeff get a put back on him. Bing. Right. So then, like, two minutes later, like, I think, like, DeWan or something got a freaky dunk. Bang. Then Roy got a dunk. Bang. So I'm like, shit. I had, I had got a tip dunk where I, I missed it, but I, I caught the ball. Like, the rim, the backboard's right here. I'm on this side. The ball's right here. And I'm trying to dunk it like this. Ooh. I missed it. And I was like, that probably would have been the dunk of my career. Right. And then, like, a couple minutes later, we running whatever play we running. I, Roy gets it. He goes into his move. My man goes to double. So I'm like, like I always do, I cut to the basket. Chop yeah, my steps first, chop my steps, chop my, chop my steps first, and cut to the basket. Right. And it's crazy because like, in, I wasn't thinking about it in the moment that I wanted to dunk it backwards, 
But like my the way that I jump, if I usually take off from that side, I usually turn my body. Right. And so when I happened to dunk it, I didn't even know he was there at first. And so I just turned, kind of cocked to the side when I feel his presence, and just bing. And I was like, like when I remember when I landed, I was just like, did I just do that? And right. I was nuts. Like I and I I just remember I couldn't see anybody in front of me except for John Wallace. And I'm just ah, and I just chest bump John, and I'm like, I just don't know that man backwards, huh? Yeah, backwards. <laughs> I don't know somebody backwards, and I was like, dang, like that's that. that I was like, I impressed myself with that one. I was, that was crazy. Yeah, that 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 is one of the major plays, you know. We always remember that. That's got to go down in the history books. We showing our recruiting videos. We got to show Pat Ewan catching yeah. the joint. My know? dad dunking on Ralph Sampson probably got to be number one. Him dunking on dude from Kentucky might be number two, but that's got to be like three, four, five. Or, you know, what else has to be in there? I can't account for everything, but when DeWan Summers dunked on Buddy oh, from, Syracuse. from Syracuse. Ooh, we. Oh, God. you don't remember that free? I do remember that because I, I tried to get him from I had a, Did you try like, to grab him for you yeah. to uh, attack, but he ended up getting it. <laughs> I mean, he hey, really, that, that, that was, so he hmm. dunked him and then got right in his face. Now that's Georgetown right there. That's that, it right there. Right. That's all. That, that's all. I was that joint live. I remember where I, was, I was sitting on my uh, my couch watching that joint on my like little iPad or something. And I was oh, I think I texted the one as soon as it happened. Man. I was that joint. So that, yeah. So the Boston College one, uh, Big East tournament, uh, our freshman year, when you dunked on who was Dante Cunningham. But Dante shouldn't have jumped, though. That was off the pass from Chris Bate gave you that pass. Yeah, that Chris, it was fake hustle, though, man. Dante shouldn't even have been in the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ain't say thank you for that either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. Had that, that joint, and then, you know, whatever chase down block you used to get in the games every time. And like, I knew every time somebody was going to left and you were there, I was like, yeah, he's going to catch that joint. We're going back out of court. But every chase down block you got. And the joint that John threw, the behind the head joint in Memphis was tough, too. That was, that was Yeah, but he should have thrown that joint up the glass, though. I mean, I, mean, I, always, I always joke with John because John wasn't, like, a lob thrower. He had it. But I was like, John, you got to – I said, you got to just – just put it up there. I'm going to go get it. Don't even worry about it. Coach ain't going to get mad at you. And then if he does, you still going to play. You're going to play. You still going to get all the minutes. One mistake, John. It's okay. One mistake. It's fine. It's fine. It's all right. Everybody, if John makes a mistake, everybody looks out of the way. Nobody. Right. Like, nah, he didn't do that. It wasn't done. All right. Somebody else Yeah, somebody else All right. So next question, man. This is near and dear to, I think, to all of us because we represent, you know, Georgetown as being alumni. And, um, we want to see it be what it was, what it is, uh, what we believe it is. So, Georgetown now, what do you, what do you think it's going to take for us to get back? And be in- um, you know, I think we're, we're, we're taking steps in the right direction right now. Um, I tell people this all the time. Like, if, if my dad had the talent level that, like, our teams had, or the teams, like, if my dad had the team that you had y'all sophomore year, I mean, it would be amazing to see it with the stuff that he runs and the way that he I think Coach Pat is an exceptional coach. And it's funny because, you know, growing up, I remember when my dad was getting to, like, year, like, 14 and 15 of his career, like, when he was thinking about retiring, like, I was like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And it was never coaching. He never wanted to be a coach. 
So I never looked at him as a coach until he was my coach in summer league once. And I was like, dang, he actually is pretty good and he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And then like watching his growth and development as a coach now has been pretty exceptional. I mean, like he's really starting to learn his players. He's learning a college game. And, you know, he went from not watching any college games ever to like, I'll say something about an NBA game. He'd be like, oh, I didn't see that. I was watching, you know, Duke UNC last night or I was watching Seton Hall play Marquette or something like that. Like he'll, he, he's very into it. So, I mean, I think it's getting the guys in. I mean, like, y'all know just as well as I do, like, a lot of it is the players that you have and them buying into the system and and being able to hold themselves accountable and not just so much, you know, being having the coach hold you accountable. Because I think that's one of the things that made our teams all so good was that, you know, we, you know, Jeff was a leader, but he wasn't a vocal leader. So that allowed me to be like a vocal leader and talk trash and like, you know, kind of get guys in the right mindset. So, but I feel like we haven't had that leader in the locker room who is the person who isn't afraid to call people out in the right way. You know what I'm saying? Like I knew as a, as a player, I could talk to free a certain way. I even, but it had to be a different way than I talked to you, Chris. Then it had to be a different way than I talked to Dewan or I had to talk to Roy. Like it's different. Like, We've had guys who will get on you and just get on you, get on you, get on you, get on you, and never pick you back up. Right. And so I think once we get, you know, and it's hard to, like, really know who a kid is until you have him on campus because like when you're recruiting a kid, you don't really see the whole, the whole kid. Like you don't get the whole kid until he's in your – until you're with him every day. So right. I think that, you know, we're, we're making strides. I mean, it's, it's really sucked that, you know, the stuff that's happened in the last year has – happened because I think that we did the team that we would have had if we would have had that team this year that for the whole year yeah. I think we definitely had a, t- a tournament team I really do I mean yeah. and then you know I, th- I honestly think Myron Garner was a, is a special player I mean I, I really do he was one of the guys to me that was going to bring us something that we hadn't seen in a while like he was kind of like that Jabril Troward kind of player right. super athletic but he got some other stuff with him Right. And, and he's not scared of the moment. Like, huh. to, to me, he hit, losing him was, was was hard, you know. And I, and I love James. I love uh, Josh. I love Mac. I love Galen, too. But, you know, to me, Myron, especially getting him as a freshman, too, like that, he was going to be – I thought he had a really good shot to be – I think he still does have a really good chance to be a professional basketball player. Right. Um, but, you know, we just got to continue to grow, man. I mean, our young guys that we got now are, 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 are solid. I mean, I love Q. I mean, just watching the way he developed last year and to be able to, to bang with a guy like Omer. Yeah, he's going to be tough. He's, gonna, he's got a chance. Um, so just continue to get the right guys in. I mean, you know, it's, recruiting is really a big part of college basketball. And, you know, with the, there's going to be a shift in how recruiting happens, especially with, like, the G League coming in. They're going to throw money at these top kids. Or will they be allowed to come out of, out of high school again? What will that mean? Will they have a, a high school draft now or something like that? Like, who knows what's going to happen, but it's going to change the way that you do recruiting. So getting the kids into the program that are going to be here and are going to be able to be guys that – like, who's going to be that 08 class? You know what I'm saying? Like, who's going to be that that group that is, you know, maybe, maybe under-recruited guys who develop while they're in your hands? Or who's going to – like, for y'all, like – I think that, you know, our group helped bring you guys in, but at the same time, like, y'all recruited each other. Yeah, you know so, yeah, like, our, our, our situation was different because we wanted to, like, free came first. Right. I commenced junior year. 
Right. Yeah. You committed first. And when I committed, it was kind of in the sense that we want to make a movement where everybody starts looking at Georgetown and all these top guys come to Georgetown. And I think that, and I think that's what we need again. Cause like, like, honestly, as much as Brodus recruited you, Chris, we wouldn't have got you without free. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and and I think that's, that's important. Like when we got, when we got the kid, um, uh, what's his name? The kid that left, he he decommitted and and went to Michigan. Uh, Oh, Terrence. Terrence, Yeah. When we got T. Will, like I was telling T. Will, I was like, yo, T. Will, you know, it's good that you committed to us early because for you now you can go recruit whoever you want to play with. You get some homies with you. And yeah, get your boys. Like who who do you who's the elite player that you want to play with? And like you can tell the coach because you recruited, you know I mean you uh you committed early. Now right. you know he he decommitted for whatever reason, but like we gotta get those guys like that where we get, you know, one of the top guys, we get them to commit early and then it ain't just him hearing from the coaches. Now he's starting to hear from the other players. He's hearing from the guys that are on the team like and, you know, and, and to piggyback on what you're saying, not to cut you off, but to piggyback on what you're saying, it's important, uh, you know, the thing about when we were at Georgetown, there were guys around, and especially you primarily, that we can resonate to to understand that what we're trying to uphold. Right. And you know what I'm saying? Because of, we were with you and our coach was JT3. We knew the history of what's going on. We knew – we had to carry that. We knew what was about. We from this area, you know. So sometimes I think what can get lost is that um, these kids don't understand what that movement meant to this community. Right. They don't understand that when Georgetown basketball is rocking, ain't nothing, ain't ain't nothing stronger in this city. When Georgetown's rocking, ain't nothing stronger. We see that. We know what it was. So, um, and I think that's where us, especially I'm, I'm speaking, me and Free. And guys that are our age can help the program. You know what I'm saying? Because we are the 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 mediators, the connector to Georgetown with these communities, man. Because right. we've been here, <laughs> we know what it's like. We know what, how how the process works, and we are Hoyas. You know, so I think that's that's something that um, all of our former Hoyas, especially our years and a little bit after us, we got to start paying attention if we want this brand to uphold. I mean, I'm a Hoya for life, so. And my name attached to it, so I don't want us looking shaky, you know. <laughs> for real, for real, like, and that's—I mean, that's real. Like, being a, being a Hoya, like, it—it it, it was hard for me, especially my first couple of years when I got back to see us not be the tournament team that, or yeah. you know, right, the team that I, I left. Because you know, when I left, you know, I watch it, you know, I see it, but like, I'm not like living it. And now that I'm back, and free, probably free can attest to this a little more because he's here now and he comes to almost every game, like. It's different, like not seeing the team be the team that it was when you left. You right. know what I'm saying? Like to me, that's you know that's one of the reasons why I came back and why I took the job that I have now doing the alumni relations stuff because I want to see that team get back to where it was. I want to see, I want to bring our guys back so they can see what and have that feeling that I felt like when I when I wore that Georgetown uniform, like and to right. be able to to for them for our guys to be able to play a game and you know not just because we're playing a duke or something like that at the Verizon Center. It's Verizon Center, right? Yeah, Verizon Center. No, Capital One. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have them coming to Capital One and then just because we're playing another team that is sold out. No, nah, we we sold it out. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I want I want to bring those feelings back. Yeah. All right. So let's tell a future voice. Um 
Uh-oh. Tell a future Hoya. Oh, there we go. Free, man. You got that old first first generation computer, man. You gotta get you a new new Apple, dog. He's the math guy. I know, man. I know I know the math got some laptops over there too. They can spare. Hey. Right. Yeah, got the whole uh, Apple uh laboratory <laughs> studio. Side note, St. John's job tough too though. I, I I drove over there for the first time not too long ago. I was like, hey, this joint nice or my Yo, St. John's is elite now. We we you know we uh finishing up our new uh gym. That's crazy. I did not. Is it is it on the campus too? Yeah, where the old gym is, it's a brand new one they about to build. That's crazy. Sorry. But um what I would tell them, I mean, I think that, you know, first thing is first is that I would tell them like don't be scared of greatness. Right. You know, when you come to Georgetown, you come with you come into a lineage of greatness. Like from my before my pops, my pops and after my pops, like but like the new kids now, like I would tell them, you know, you know, when when you had when you at Georgetown and you're on the team that's doing great and you're rocking, there's no better place to be. And I've been at state school, I've been and I, you know, I, I've, I've experienced a lot of that stuff that you experience as a college athlete. And there's nothing like experiencing it at Georgetown, being in a big city. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the most powerful cities in the world, and to be recognized along with so many other people, I mean, there's nothing like that. But like at the same time, I tell the kid, don't come here if you don't want to work. Yeah, saying like that's 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 been my new thing now. Like when I tell if I if I ever happen to talk to one of our kids, I'm like, yo, if you don't want to work, then this ain't it, because we can when you come here, we we got we got goals and. Uh, I remember one of one of the things that my one of my best college teammates told me, a kid at Indiana named AJ Moy. He told me if I if I left a school that I went to and I didn't leave with a banner on the wall, then I then I shouldn't have went there. Then you just wasted four years of your life. You know what I'm saying? So for me, every time I walk into Georgetown, I got I got Big East championships. I got Final Four. I got a jersey on the wall. I put stuff on the wall. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I can walk in there with my head held high every time. Now, if you don't. If you don't feel like if you're not ready for that to to even try to strive to be that, then this ain't the place for you, bro. Mm-hmm. Tell him his levels to this pack. Yeah, it's it's different. Like and and I mean like I mean for y'all, y'all got y'all got an award, y'all got big east, y'all got all conference, you know what I'm saying? Y'all can walk, you know what I'm saying? Like Chris, you was in the league, your name on the on the on the NBA wall in the back. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, 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 oh. Are we going to time out here? We we going we going we going. Go, I need to be on there, bro. I I look, and I say this. I say this. I say this. It, the the jersey the jersey wall to me was always confusing. It One, is because because look. So most people don't know this. My jersey wasn't on the wall when I got drafted. I know. I remember. We were there. <laughs> like, I, and, and look, and I was so hyped to bring my jersey to the to, to coach when I got it. And I was like, hey, coach, you go here, here in my jersey. Y'all go hang on the wall now? <laughs> like, here you go. You want this joint? You can take it, take it, right? And, and like, he said, oh, no, I don't remember what the criteria was or whatever. I was like, you know, you got to sign whatever it was. And I was like, hold up, what? Man, Chris, like, 
Go on there, man. But like, hey, man, look. There's only I, that I can think of, and you were the first NBA player with MS. Right. You know, that's which, only, it's which, only which, God put it look, up. Look, which to me is still crazy that you were playing right now, brother. Like I command, like you. That that's that's tough. I appreciate that. I don't, I don't, I don't obviously know what you go through on a day-to-day -day basis with it, but to me, for you to be able to do that is is incredible. You want to say hi? What's up, nephew? Hey, pretty mom. Say hi. 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 Hello. We 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 come in peace. We don't want to take up too much of your morning, your daddy's time. You just want to ask him a few more questions, and then you got him. I don't want no problems with you. Okay. <laughs> she looking at y'all like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so well, let's finish up, man. Let's finish up with this. So now, you know, you, you've had a great career. You had, you, you uh, obviously, you certified, man. You certified. You stamped in terms of this basketball game and this culture and what you mean to the game. Just stand on your own two feet, and Pop's got to know that. You know what I mean? Um, and he should be – I'm sure he's very proud of that. So now in this next phase of your life, you know, you got beautiful children, you got a beautiful wife. Um, I commend you on that, you know, and uh, we, we just want to know what, what you're doing now. Where can we follow you at? Where, how can we be a part of whatever you're doing? Yeah, so um, obviously I, reti I retired in 2015 after that season uh, – wasn't really ready to retire, but I felt like Coach Thompson had offered me a job to do something that wasn't playing basketball. And I felt like I was just playing basketball for, you know, I enjoyed it, but I was also just playing just because I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. So when he offered me a job, I was like, well, I can try to play basketball for, you know, five more years, hopefully if I don't get hurt. And then, or I could, you know, try to start the next phase of my life. So I decided to start the next phase of my life. I was coaching on his staff for two years. And it was, was really loving it, starting to become a better coach uh, until, you know, he got let go at the school. And I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I ended up getting my real estate license. So I became a licensed realtor in the DMV area. Um, and I've kind of been enjoying that for the last few years. And then Georgetown brought me back as an alumni relations coordinator over men's basketball. So, you know, trying to help bring that basketball community back and trying to start scholarships for uh, non-basketball player student athletes or not even that student athletes, but just uh, at the school. So just trying to do things to help grow Georgetown University as a whole. And um, it's been great, honestly. Like, you know, I put together gatherings for our former athletes. You know, I see free all the time at, at, at events that we put together, trying to get our former basketball players back so that they can, you know, you know, like you said, like about bringing my dad back, you know, you want to give them their flowers while they're still alive. You know what I'm saying? And, and I feel like our community is doing a better job of doing that with our former players, especially when we can get them back to these events. And, you know, as, as a part of that, you know, us giving back to, to the school. Because when I came to Georgetown initially, my, my main goal was to um, always be around. Because I remember as a young kid growing up in the gym, coming in, in the summers, every summer with my dad, and that was probably my favorite thing to do was to come in and see him, Alonzo, Dikembe playing pickup with the guys, seeing Allen in there playing pickup with the guys. And I felt like 
once that group retired and weren't playing anymore, you didn't see that as much from the Hoyas, from, from the current professional Hoyas. Right. Because, you know, some of them have hard feelings toward the school or the coaching staff or whatever it was. Everyone had their, their reasons for not coming back. And I remember sitting there with my, my class and I was like, yo, when we, when we leave, we got to come back. We got to be seen because it's special to be able to be sitting there with, these, with the new guys coming in and be able to spit knowledge and know that they were in your shoes or you were in their shoes at one point. And it keeps them in check, man. It, it keeps them on because you know what they're going through. Definitely. You know what you're going through at that age and what your mind is thinking. Yeah, in the same in the same situation and everything. So for me, that was that was important. So um, when I retired, I mean, when I when I started playing initially, I was I was living. I still lived in D.C. for the first couple of years, and then I moved away, and I didn't come back as much. But I felt like um, when I retired, I was like, all right. You know, everyone that I had been a part, every every player that I had kind of touched in the program was kind of starting to, they weren't there anymore. So I felt like I needed to come back and start putting my hands on the kids again. And not not in a bad way, but like, you know, being a part of the program and <laughs> and doing what I needed to do as, as, as far as like, you know, making sure that they don't forget what was here before them. And that, because, you know, we all have a, have a tendency to be like, yeah, that happened, but that was then. This is now. And I, so I want to um, so, so since I've been back, like, I've been making sure that, you know, bringing guys back and bringing guys back in the summertime to play pickup with the guys, like, that's been one of my favorite things to do is have, you know, in, in the off season. I'll tell guys, like, you know, hey, look, we're going to have runs this day, this day, this day. I don't even care if y'all come for a week. You know what I'm saying? Just come, kick it with the kids. You know, I've tried to start uh, every year I want to have where all our professional Hoyas that are still playing come back to D.C. for a week, and we do, like, a little mini training camp. With that. You know what I'm saying? And just and, – and, but have it while our guys are here because I want them to see our guys, what it takes to be professionals, have them be able to sit and talk with these guys about what their experiences are like at – what it was like at Georgetown, what it's like as a professional. Right. You know, and – so just trying to make sure that our guys stay in contact with the kids and making sure that our, our guys still feel that connection with the school because we all picked Georgetown for a reason. Whether we lost sight of what that reason was, at some point we were in love with the school. And I'm still in love with the school. Y'all still in love with the school. That's why y'all have Dog Talk. That's why Dog Talk is the name of y'all show because y'all still love Georgetown. You know what I'm saying? So, so I just want to continue to grow Georgetown and grow the brand and, and you know continue to see us be successful. I agree, man. And anything I can do to help, you know what I'm saying, to further our name, further our brand, I am down. Because, you know, Pat, I, I, I'm there as much as I can. So, you know, I, I don't even, even got to call Pat no more for tickets. My, my, my <laughs> they, hey, free, they already at Will Call. Don't even worry about it. Well, I appreciate it, Pat. We appreciate your time. Um, this is great. We appreciate you. We we had a great interview with you. Gave us some great insight. Oh, insight. Always a very personable guy. Charismatic. You yeah. know. And, uh, uh, thank you, thank you guys for having me, man. I, I appreciate y'all. You know, continue to use your platforms that y'all have to to do good in this world and and bring light to things that you know things that, be, that need to be brought light up, man. I really appreciate it. for me to be a part of what y'all doing, man. And if I can ever be helpful to y'all, man, just let me know. My appreciate man. You. Appreciate you.
This is Dog Talk. Yup. First episode. Yeah. Only done. Much All right, Pat. Appreciate you, Doug. All right, I love y'all, man. Y'all be good. You too, brother. All right. All right. What a great episode we just had with Pat. He was incredibly open and transparent about his career and the state of Georgetown now. Stay tuned for episode two coming this Sunday. Peace and love, Dog Talk.